It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. up guys welcome back to the podcast how are we doing are we okay are we staying sane um it is wednesday 3 43 p.m to be exact when i'm recording this intro and you know election anxiety is it's high right now okay it's real high but we're not going to talk about that because i'm here to distract you for a little bit over an hour with a beautiful and insightful episode um, that I had with Amy, otherwise known as the Skin Enthusiast on Instagram. And dude, I'm just going to tell you guys, like this episode is packed full of all the skin tips, all of the knowledge, like you're going to want to take some notes. Okay. I learned a lot in this episode and I hope you guys will as well. And Amy is just incredible. So I can't wait for you guys to listen. Make sure you're following her because she's always posting such valuable content everywhere. And she's just the best. So let's get into it. Hello. Hi. Welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> How are we doing? Great. I'm so excited. Me too. This has been a long time coming. It really has. We've been talking about doing this forever. I know. Um, can you introduce yourself really quick for anybody who might not know yeah, so who you are? My name is Amy. I am known as the Skin Enthusiast on Instagram, uh, where I educate on skincare and ingredients and beauty, but I'm also a practicing cosmetic dermatology PA here in Miami, Florida. Love it. So really quick, where did your skincare love begin? I think since I was a child, I mean, I remember being in middle school and begging my mom to take me to the Sephora, or I'm sorry, the Clinique counter, remember, when you did like the three-step Clinique system? Oh my gosh, I I did that! I was obsessed (laughs) with it, and so I think it started super young, and then when I was in PA school, uh, we don't really, we learn dermatology, but our focus is obviously general medicine, so I did an elective rotation in dermatology, and I really realized that this is where I wanted to be, and then once I started getting more into dermatology um, as my practice, I really honed in on skincare knowledge. Right, totally. Um, well, I feel like there are so many skincare myths, and I would love to like break some down. Ooh, yeah. So, what is something that you hear all the time that you're like, oh, that's not true? No. Absolutely. So, the number one thing that comes to mind is that retinol thins your skin or that it makes you mm. sun sensitive. And okay. that is not true at all. Retinol is amazing for our skin. It thins the outer layer of dead skin cells, but it actually uh, thickens the deeper dermis layer, which is what we want as we get older. And it does not make us sun sensitive. That's a myth. That came about because um, some of the newer generation retinols were deactivated by light. So that's why we had you use them at night. But now um, most of the newer ones are not as easily deactivated. So really you could use your retinol during the day. It's just mostly out of habit that we have it in our nighttime regimen. Yeah, I feel like I always, every time I hear anything about acids, 
I feel as though it's emphasized, like, use it at night, use it sparingly, cake on the SPF, which we always should have a SPF on, obviously, but that's definitely something yeah. that I think a lot of people hear about. And that's a good point because retinol isn't a true acid. It's in a different category, mm. but for things like AHAs um, and right. BHA, it is a good idea. Not that you can't use it in the morning, but that you're using sunscreen with it. Absolutely. Yeah. That's important. Do you, do you think retinol is like a staple? Like, would you say that's 100% a staple 100%. So... Sunscreen is the number one most important. If you do nothing else for yes. the rest of your life, at least wear sunscreen every day. <laughs> um, like, no, that is non-negotiable. And then yes. I, for me, the second most important is retinol. And then third most being vitamin C. That's a little tricky because not everybody can tolerate certain forms of it, which I'm sure we'll get into later. But those are three essentials for me. Absolutely. And I wanted to ask you this. And just I want everyone to hear it from the words of a professional do we need to wear SPF even when we're staying inside? Because a lot of us are inside a lot of the time, you know, as of, as of late. Is it still necessary? Yes, it is absolutely necessary. Thank you. And the reason is, there's a couple of reasons. One, because UVA, which is the rays that come from the sun that are responsible for aging, penetrate through the window. So the UVB rays don't so much. Those are the ones that are responsible for our skin burning. That's why you can sit on you know, the side of your car with sun coming in through the window and not get a burn, but you're still mm-hmm. getting UVA in through your windows in your house and your car. And sunscreen is really important for blocking those for anti-aging purposes. And then also um, now we know that high energy visible light, which also comes from the sun, but in much lesser amounts also on our electronic devices, um, can also lead to signs of aging, especially worsening pigmentation. So there's some um, controversy on whether or not our devices are emitting enough of that high energy visible light to make yeah. a difference, but we do know that this, the windows make a difference. So we, So I always say, absolutely, you need a sunscreen every day, even if you're not leaving your house. Do you wear sunscreen like when you're leaving your house to go driving, for example? Do you put it on your arms and stuff? Um, I should. I never. I should. I never. I do. will say I, I use driving gloves because I don't want old. I was hands. gonna ask you if you had seen like those gloves that people wear that yeah. are like up to here, yeah. like up to your what is this? Like you're like covering your entire arm basically, yeah. so that the sun in the car doesn't you know, get to you. You really should. I mean, that that, that UVA <laughs> coming in is definitely going to lead to aging and brown spots on the arms and the hands. So you should. Oh. I mean, I'm not as diligent about, I'm really diligent about my neck and my chest. I never leave yes. the house without sunscreen there. I could be yes. better about the arms, but I do wear gloves when driving. <laughs> What's a good, like, I guess, range of SPF that you recommend, like, on a daily basis? Like, not, not like, laying out in the sun kind of thing, mm-hmm. just, like, living life kind of thing. As far as SPF, at least 30. I would say most of the ones that I wear are in the 40 range. Okay, gotcha. So, I want to, I know this is tricky just because everybody is so different. Everybody has such different, you know, concerns and skin types and everything, but can we outline what a good AM and then PM skincare routine should look like, like at least the staples? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say a simple routine for someone who's just getting started. Definitely you need to cleanse your face morning and night. Mm-hmm. Um, at night, you'll need to either double cleanse or use a micellar water to remove your sunscreen first before. Um, and then plus or minus an eye cream. I always add eye cream last if as far as 
when I say last, I mean later on, if it's someone who I know is just getting started and isn't gonna be doing a seven step routine. However, if you are using it, I like to use it as the second step after cleansing. And then your okay. third step in the morning will be some sort of treatment product, which is usually a vitamin C, because we know that using vitamin C in conjunction with our SPF gives us greater UV protection throughout the day. And then moisturizer, and you really need moisturizer whether you're oily or dry, um, but the type of moisturizer will change based on that. And then sunscreen, of course, in the morning. Sunscreen is your last step. It goes closest to the sun, I like to say. Unless you're wearing any makeup, makeup will go on top of your sunscreen. And then at night, um, cleanser, eye cream. You can do some sort of treatment product if you'd like. If you're tackling hyperpigmentation or something like that, this is where you might want to put in some sort of lightening serum. And then your moisturizer. And then I always use retinol last. And that's really because the moisturizer helps act as a barrier so that not as much retinol penetrates the skin. And this helps you, especially if you're just getting started with any that's sort of irritation or things like that. Now, sometimes, you know, later, on months down the road you might be able to flip it but mm -hmm. for instance I use prescription strength tretinoin and I still to this day use it on top of my moisturizer so that it doesn't dry I never my heard skin that out. before that's yeah, such a good tip it's helpful for sure totally I wanted to ask you um and I did get some questions from when I asked um if anybody had any questions for you a lot of questions about eye cream because I don't know if you I'm sure you've heard like the controversy of like there's people that don't believe in eye creams that they say it's just like you know a tiny mini moisturizer that's like 50 bucks um and so a lot of people like have discarded their eye creams I don't I don't know I don't know what to think anymore like do you sw stand by them so I do because so yes, it's true that you could, most people can get away with it just using a moisturizer in this area, especially if you don't have any concerns. But most of the eye creams on the market have more concentrated anti-aging ingredients. Uh, the other thing you can do is, you know, when you're applying your vitamin C in the morning, make sure you're applying it in the areas that you would apply an eye cream. At night, do the same with your moisturizer and your retinol, and you're basically getting the same um, ingredients and benefits. Yeah. But if there's, you know, if you're having a, a, a big issue uh, with periocular or issues around the eye, then it is good to invest in a good eye cream. But yeah. that being said, there is no magic eye cream. It just doesn't exist. Right. Nothing is right. going to take away your crow's feet. Nothing is going to completely remove under eye bags or under eye circles. It just can't happen. Most of the time, it cannot happen topically. Yeah. I wish. Yeah, of course. Me too. <laughs> that would be amazing. Um, another thing I wanted to ask you about is cleansers. So I feel like I was overwashing my face before. Like I would wash it at night, I would double cleanse. And then in the morning, first thing in the morning, I would wash my face and then I work out. Um, not every day, but frequently. And so obviously I would wash my face after working out because I'm all sweaty. So I was washing my face like three times a day and I could just feel my skin being so stripped and just like, I could just tell I was overwashing. And so what I did and what I've been doing lately, I just want to hear your thoughts is so I will double cleanse always at night I do like the most at night and then first thing in the morning I don't use a cleanser I just use warm water and then I'll do like a, a, a hyaluronic serum or a vitamin c serum moisturizer spf that's it and then since I typically work out in the morning sometimes I will wash my face after I work out because I don't want to be washing my face three times a day you get what I'm saying absolutely and there's a couple things here. Number one, the type of cleanser you're using definitely matters. So if you're a dry type, you should be using a creamy or milky cleanser, nothing that's gel or foaming. And 
you know, usually I recommend an active cleanser with active ingredients once a day and the rest of the times you're just using a basic creamy hydrating cleanser. The other thing is, yes, that's perfectly fine. Usually what I do on mornings that I'm working out is just wake up and slap on some sunscreen, go work out, and then do my full routine after thing. I get back. Yeah. yeah. So right. that's, that's you, totally three, fine. Washing your face three times a day, it, would yeah, you say that's absolutely. like kind of hefty? Yeah. yeah. The, you know, if, you've, if you're working out later in the afternoon, that's a different story because yeah. I don't want to encourage anyone not to wash their face after working out because that's a must. But right. yes, if you can get away with holding off on your morning regimen until after your workout, then absolutely. And can you speak really quick on why it's so important to double cleanse? Because I feel like that's also very, not new, but... Well, I didn't really know about it until I think like last year um, and I didn't know the importance of, you know, using maybe an oil-based cleanser or whatever it may be. So why is it important to make sure we have that step at night? Sure. So yeah, double cleansing seems like it just came out of the woodwork, but it's really just a fancy way of saying make sure you get all your makeup off. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, with uh, most people wearing makeup during the day or even if you're not wearing makeup, you should be using a sunscreen and most cleansers just simply aren't going to remove that with one cleanse. So there are a couple options. You can just clean your face twice with the same cleanser. Like I use a creamy cleanser at night. Sometimes I'll just use that twice if I'm being lazy. Other, You can remove first with a micellar water or a cleansing oil and then use your cleanser. Really the key is just making sure that your face is free of all of that sunscreen and that you're not going to bed with it on your face. Totally. How do you feel about makeup wipes? I'm not a fan. <laughs> I'm not a fan. I would much rather see someone really saturate a cotton pad with micellar water so that it's nice and mm-hmm. wet. And that way, uh, when you're wiping your face, you're not tugging so much. It's more of just kind of wiping off the sunscreen a little bit more easily. And when it comes to skincare products, I asked them the makeup wipe thing because I know there's still people out there using makeup mm-hmm. wipes to wash their face and I want everyone to stop because I used to do that when I was a teenager. I didn't know better. And, you know, drunken nights, I would just like yeah. think that would cut it, but I don't, I don't do that anymore. So for skincare products, do you, and this might, your answer might be like a, might be more complex than just yes or no, but do you think products that are more expensive are generally better? Like, how do you feel about the whole price range with makeup? Like, I know now there are so many products that are super affordable, like The Ordinary, and they're like popping off, and I would actually love to hear your thoughts on them. And then we see like on the other end of the spectrum, like products that are so expensive, how do you feel about that? If that question even makes sense. Absolutely, it does. So I definitely don't think that a skincare product needs to be expensive to be effective, 100%. Like if you look at La Mer, I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of known in the dermatology world as one of the worst moisturizers there is. So, so crazy. So, and you know, the, the most of the moisturizers that I recommend in clinic are very reasonable. Um, so you certainly don't need to spend a lot of money to get effective skincare. When it comes to more of the budget lines, I... I I can't say that I use any of them regularly in my routine, but I certainly understand that a lot of people are looking for more budget-friendly products. Yeah. What I yeah. will say is for ingredients like vitamin C or like retinoids, it is really important to look for a reputable brand. And I, we say medical grade, which is really not a term that's regulated in any way. It's just a term to mean that it's the products are trusted by dermatologists and sold in their offices. So that's always a key that the line is a good line. And the reason it's important uh, to look for those brands specifically for vitamin C and retinoids is because they're 
very volatile ingredients. So they can be deactivated pretty easily by light or by air or during the process which they're being formulated. So if you're if you're going for a brand that has clinical research and you know has dermatologists working with them, then you can usually be confident that they're taking those extra precautions to make sure that the ingredient is active when it gets to you and that it'll stay active in the packaging that they package it in. Right. So, so important. Okay. I want to shift gears for a second, talk about fillers, Botox. What do most of your patients, it might, you know, be a, a, a wide array of things, but what are the most popular popular things that people come to you for? Um, definitely Botox or Neurotoxin. There's other brands. Botox is the brand name, but there's brands like Dysport and Juvo and Zeoman. Right. Um, that would probably be one of the most common things aside from skincare that I do in my office. Filler mm-hmm. in our age group is popular too, but it's usually obviously less so than in some of my older, more mature patients. Usually we're starting off with something like a lip augmentation or maybe balancing a chin or something that, um, you know, facial balancing versus obviously at this point, we don't have a ton of volume loss at our age. But um, I would say Botox most most frequently. And then after that, probably lip filler or cheek filler. And what are some of the myths about Botox that we're still trying to like get over? So number one is if you start, let's say you start Botox and you don't want to continue doing it, you don't have to keep continuing it. You're going to want to because it looks great and you like yeah. having it, but it's <laughs> yeah. not, your face is not going to look worse. It's going to look exactly how it did before you started. Um, what other myths? Um, sometimes, and this isn't really for younger age groups, but for older age groups, they'll come for Botox for their first time in like their 60s when the lines have been, you know, being formed for decades and they think that one Botox treatment is going to get rid of it and that's just not the case. So it, it, for that reason, it really is better to start early because once those lines are set in, they are much harder to get rid of. And it is true that it's preventative. I know that there's a lot of controversy around that, but it, it makes perfect sense if you just think about it logically. If you are inhibiting your muscle from making a wrinkle, you're never going to form a wrinkle. So it is it is preventative. I remember the first time that I was talking to my mom about Botox. She had never done it before. She's in her 60s, so, like, it wasn't a th- Well, maybe it was a thing when she was growing up, but, like, not really. And I was like, I want you to get Botox. Like, I want you to get Botox so bad. And she was terrified because in her mind, you know, when she thought of Botox, she had that the epitome of Botox back in the day where it's like that woman that, like, who's crazy like crazy cat lady yeah. yeah crazy cat lady who can't even like blink and like is like a permanent smile exactly. you know what I mean like that's what yeah. she thought of and so when she, once she did it and and I told her like look like it's not a big deal she like I mean I don't know if she saw like the biggest obviously difference like you said it's not gonna fix everything in in one time but um I feel like a lot of people probably older people still have that you know image I guess but I 100% think that preventative Botox is, like, I mean, incredible. And I'm probably going to do it for the rest of my life because it's just amazing. I need to get some. Anyway, <laughs> um, what would you say are some of your top tips for glowy, youthful skin? Oh, that's a great question. So... Sorry, we're, like, jumping from, no, like, Botox to skin back no, to... No, this is yeah. great. So, first and foremost, your skincare routine has to be in line because... Back to Botox and filler, if you're coming in because you want Botox or you want your lips done, it's great, but 
if the canvas isn't healthy, then it's nothing else is going to look good. You really have to take care of the surface of the skin first. So my essentials, I would say number one, sunscreen. And I'm gonna that's probably going to be my first answer to every question. Because, yeah. you know, sun does so much. The UVA rays and UVB rays do so much damage to our skin. They dehydrate our skin. They cause pigmentation and wrinkles. So that is really important for a glowing complexion. Um, number two are acids. Uh, I think that's one of the easiest fastest ways to get a glow Um, but you do have to be careful because you know we're seeing a lot of people who are burning their skin with these like uh, these AHA treatments and things like that so definitely be careful Um, but I usually like to start with getting my acids in the form of a cleanser in the morning so usually I'll put my dry types on a glycolic acid cleanser my oily types on a glycolic salicylic acid cleanser and um, the third would be retinoids. I think that's really important for accelerating cell turnover and kind of helping that top layer of skin to um, effectively come off. And um, it's just important for anti-aging purposes and the overall texture of your skin. How do you feel about um, chemical peels? I think they're great. Again, I think it's important first to have your skincare in check. So I would say if you are thinking about a chemical peel, first get on a good regimen for a couple of months and then start thinking about and talking to a professional, someone who you know, has been trained by a dermatologist um, to see it if you're a candidate. Because not everyone is and not everyone needs one. Right. Yeah, such a good point. And can we talk for a second about exfoliation? Because I know, at least personally, for a very long time, I've always been into skincare, but obviously I didn't know like the ins and outs until I kept growing up. But um, I used to just think exfoliation meant a scrub like a, an actual scrub. And I thought that meant exfoliating. Mm-hmm. But turns out there are very many ways that we can exfoliate. So would love to hear you talk more about that. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the AHAs and BHA, like I mentioned earlier, those are also a form of exfoliation. They're called a chemical exfoliant. That's, I would say, 99% of the time what I recommend. I hardly ever will recommend a physical exfoliation or exfoliator for anybody. Um, they can sometimes cause more harm than good. And really, if you're on a routine with a good chemical exfoli- exfoliator, you don't need the scrub. So the scrub I would reserve for someone who has super resistant skin. Um, and really for the, I like, I like them on the body, but for the face, I, I hardly ever recommend a scrub. I can't remember the last time I used a scrub on my face. Once I discovered that there are so many other ways to exfoliate and like acids, et cetera, and peels, like I love the Dr. Dennis Gross uh, peel mm-hmm. pads. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the last time I used an actual scrub on my face. Yeah. They're really for the most part unnecessary and can cause some underlying inflammation. So, well, you, are super active on social media and in like the beauty skincare community and I would love to know what do you see people I don't want to like call people out but like what do you see people doing wrong or what do you see that you're like no like stop promoting that or like that's not true or just like general things that you just wish weren't so elevated you know yeah that's a good question I think what breaks my heart sometimes is when I see in the skincare community a lot of people struggling with like significant acne and not seeking a dermatologist or because it's twofold not only do I feel bad for the person who is promoting xyz products for their acne because when your acne is that it if you're having cystic acne or you're having scarring acne or even sometimes moderate acne you really 
it's not going to, you're not going to get it under control most of the time with over-the-counter measures, especially not without the guidance of someone who's been trained to help you pick the right over-the-counter measures. And then, you know, they're kind of trying all of these new different products that they're getting and I just cringe every time because I know that most of those products are doing more harm than any good. And without any guidance, it's just really, really difficult to get problems like that under control. And then the other side of that coin is that they, they of course, are attracting an audience of people who are going through similar issues. And then they're going to be more less inclined to then seek out a dermatologist as well. So I think for the most part, it's harmless if you if you don't have sensitive skin or you're not working on any issues. But especially for things like acne, rosacea, melasma, it, there's it's it's really useless unless you're going to have the help and guidance of someone who is a professional. Yeah, totally. I want to get into acne for um in a second, but I also wanted to ask you how imp- like how what is the best way to introduce new products into your routine and like how long do you think is a good amount of time to like let's see what this product can do obviously if you get like an initial bad reaction like you know you assess but um yeah what's a good like timeline to like give products an actual chance to work introduce new ones etc so if you're first of all knowing your skin type and knowing the type of ingredients that you can tolerate is most important so for instance there are plenty of products i will never try even if they're good products because i know that the ingredients just aren't suitable for my skin type but if you've gone through the ingredients and you know that the formulation and ingredients are probably okay for your skin type then as long as you're starting it one by one so you want to make sure that your skincare routine has been the same for a couple of weeks before introducing something new and that way you know if you have a reaction you know which product is causing it Um, and then as far as efficacy it really depends on the product of course things like sunscreen you're you that's not something you see you're not going to notice that same same thing sometimes with vitamin c i know sometimes people will try good quality vitamin c's and they'll be like i didn't even see a difference well one of the biggest reasons we use vitamin c is to help protect our collagen and help to protect our skin from free radicals so that's not necessarily something you're ever going to see visible right yeah. exactly this is a long term benefit Um, But as far as things like lightening agents, if you're using um, ingredients specific specific for lightening pigment or maybe a retinoid or something like that, I would say anywhere from 8 to 16 weeks depending on the issue that you're having. So it can take – like for acne, we always say you need at least 8 weeks before you can even start to judge if a product is working. Uh, For pigmentation, that's more like 12 to 16 weeks. Do you think what what do people call it when you're patch testing? Is that what is that what it's called? Yeah. Do, do you, you recommend like a, that? Yeah, you can do a little test spot from a from a product if you like. That's really only beneficial to make sure that you're not having a reaction to it. So do right. like maybe like behind the ear or something like that. If you're someone who often has a reaction to products, it's not a bad idea. Um, okay, before we get into acne, one more question that pop up popped up to my mind is is it a myth that makeup wearing makeup all day wearing makeup frequently is it a myth that it like clogs your pores does it worsen your skin or or is it true that if you do wear makeup but you do take care of your skin and have a solid skincare routine it's okay 
Yeah, if you are if you have the right skincare routine morning and night and you like to make to wear makeup during the day, that shouldn't be an issue for you. Especially if you're if you're acne prone, definitely look for like oil-free, non-comedogenic foundations and it'll stay right on there if they are. Um, but yeah, most people can use makeup daily as long as they're taking care of their skin morning and night without issue. Okay, perfect. Um, okay, now I want to get into acne. So what would you say to somebody who is dealing more let's start with like more hormonal acne yeah what would you say or what do you recommend uh definitely see a dermatology provider if you can hormonal acne is um definitely sometimes trickier to get a hang on um, because there are internal factors that are at play and there's so many different things like the type of birth control that you're on um iud's so many factors uh that can uh, have an effect on hormonal acne, and it could even be, you know, uh, some sort of medical condition underlying that you might have, like PCOS or something like that, that's causing your hormone levels to be a little bit off. So it definitely seek a dermatology provider if you can. That's not to say that hormonal acne can't be um, gotten under control topically. It certainly can, but hardly ever without the help of some sort of prescription topical. Yeah. What helped me was, I'm going to butcher this. Um, you said it earlier, and I was trying to pay attention of how you said it. Uh, Trent, what is it? Tretinoin. Mm-hmm. Tretinoin. Yeah. That's what helped me. That's, and my... Yeah, that's really the gold standard topical medication for acne. It, it really yeah. is an incredible, incredible medication. Yeah, I wouldn't get like horrible. I, I, I don't want to call it acne, but like every time I got my period, I would get a few. It was like clockwork, you know, like just like a few pimples right here, like around my jawline. And um, then I started that ingredient. Mm-hmm. And ever since, like it made the biggest the biggest change um what would you say are some more causes of breakouts that people maybe don't realize or that don't take into account like i know your phone yeah Yeah, that's a good question um hair products so leave-in hair products or even if you're not washing your conditioner out fully um that can clog the pores and cause acne Um, not changing your pillowcase for the same reason because those oils from your hair then wipe on your pillowcase and then on your face um, let's see what else. Do you um, think silk pillowcases are like the way to go? Uh, they, I don't think that they have much of an impact on acne, but I th- okay. they're better for your hair because there's less tugging on the hair. Okay. Any like sort of tight, tight clothing or like hats can cause breakouts. Um, what else is something I see often? Oh, oral things like oral vitamin B12 or B12 shots can cause Mm. especially that kind of cystic acne. Whey protein can as well. So you want to look for a pea protein or a vegan protein powder. Uh, What else? We know dairy. That's a a known one. Interestingly enough, the studies show that low-fat dairy is more likely to cause acne than full-fat dairy. So if you're someone who loves their, you know, milk, go for whole milk. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, which is interesting because you'd think it would be yeah. the opposite. But. Yeah, totally. Can we talk about trentinoin? How do you say it? Say Tret- tretinoin. Tretinoin. So what is it? Why is it so amazing? What does it do? So tretinoin is prescription retinol. I don't know if you know that, but it's there. Oh, I did. Yeah. So when you say when you say retinoids, it's an umbrella term that really refers to all of the over-counter retinols and the um, prescription strength. Tretinoin is one of the prescription strength retinoids. Um, okay. It it is really prescribed most of the time for acne. It's really the gold standard for treating acne. Um, 
However, it's also anti-aging. So it's really also the gold standard of anti-aging. So everyone who has uh, an anti-aging regimen in our clinic, if they can tolerate it, are on some sort of retinoid. If, they, if they're if they on a prescription strength tretinoin, even better. Unfortunately, most of the time, insurance companies won't cover it over the age of 26 because they they say, I guess, nobody over 26 get, gets acne, which we know is not true. Yeah, um, not true at all. But really, it's... It's a staple in any anti-aging regimen, really, truly. If you can get your hands on a prescription strength tretinoin, even better. But there are some great over-the-counter retinols that are super effective as well. Wow. I had no idea that it was a kind of retinol. So yeah. that's great. Yeah. Um, how how Can we talk about purging for a second? So like... Is purging a good sign? Is it normal after trying certain products or does it like how to how do you discern whether it's your skin not liking a product or it's your skin getting like it's the product actually working and getting rid of, you know, the bad stuff? That's a really good question. So not everybody will experience purging when starting, you know, acne products. The, from the research I've found, it's anywhere from like 15 to 25% of people. And it's going to be from products like retinol and like, you know, AHAs, things that anything that speeds the cell cycle, which are mostly our exfoliating acids and retinoids. Um, so for instance, if you're getting this from your basic moisturizer, it's that's not purging. It's usually a reaction. The other thing is it will most often be in the area that you usually break out. So if you always break out on your chin and your cheeks and you start a new product and you're getting lots of little bumps on your forehead, depending on how they look and your provider can tell you this, it might not be purging, it might be a reaction. Um, They tend to go away quicker than usual pimples, purging pimples, uh, because again, that cell cycle is sped up. But, you know, if you're getting like lots of uniform little bumps all over your face that don't look like the type of acne you normally get, that's a sign that it's a reaction, not purging. Okay. Got it. Is there a cure for blackheads? Yeah. So, <laughs> cure. I mean, I never like to use the word cure, but um, there are certainly some ingredients that you can use. Uh, you certainly want to use something with salicylic acid in it if you're mm-hmm. if you're oily and not too sensitive. Um, that will be really helpful. Also, the long-term use of retinoids will help those diminish. So I feel like they always come back. They're so annoying. Yeah. How long have you been? Are, do you use the tretinoin every night? No, I don't use it every night. I use it, I want to say like two to three times a week, but I also... Okay, so actually this is a great question. So I didn't know that was a retinol mm-hmm. or a type of retinol. Mm-hmm. And I also use a retinol aside from that. But I use it like once or twice a week. Yeah. So if you... And obviously never on the same night, obviously. Yeah. So tretinoin, really, you have to work your way up to using it more frequently. But I would say if you're able to work yourself up to using it five to seven nights a week regularly, after eight weeks, you should notice that those blackheads diminish. And is it bad that I'm using a retinol also? I wouldn't use both. Yeah. Don't use both. Um, <laughs> if, if you're not using them on the same night, that's fine. But I'm not. But yeah. again, the goal, you since you have tretinoin, which we know is really effective, the goal would be for you to use that more often rather than the retinol. But I mean, it doesn't, as long as you're getting some sort of vitamin A derivative. Right. Okay. Do you believe in the um, 
what the nose patches i mean you know what i mean the yeah what are they called the the like the yeah the, the patches strips. that like take yeah the pore strips that take away quote-unquote your blackheads yeah i mean i don't think they're necessary i think most of the time they're just ripping off that top layer of skin so if you're just effectively cleansing and what i like to do is you, i'm a dry type so i hardly ever use sal acid however okay. on my nose i will use a little salicylic acid cleanser really lather it up and let it sit while I'm doing other things in the shower. And then that helps. Also, the Dr. Dennis Gross pads have tons of great acids in them. So, so those good. help a lot. Yeah. Um, so I would opt for things like that rather than the pore strips. Can you talk a little bit about how there are different parts? Be- no, because of the different parts of your... I can't say this right. Can you talk about how when you break out on different parts of your face, it means different things? Oh, like face mapping. Yeah. I would say for the most part, um, so that's a Chinese. Or is that not a? Is it not a thing? It's it's a it's something that they use in Chinese medicine. And to be honest, I don't know if there's much validity to that. That's something I would have to do some research in the medical literature. But for the most part, we know that when I see a breakout on the jawline or you know behind the ear on the neck, I'm more inclined to think it's hormonal. If I see it, you know, on the top of the hair or around the hairline, I'm thinking, is it something that they're using in their hair that's clogging the pores? Are they wearing a hat or a helmet? Are they, you know, is it a teenager that plays sports? Things like that. So those kind of cues I use. But as far as like, if you get a pimple here, like your your lips, means, your liver, your or livers. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I really don't. I can't speak to if there's. I can yeah. say that it's not anything that we're we're trained on in in PA school or medical school. So, but I'm sure that there it came from somewhere. So there may be some validity. I'm just not aware of it. Right. Um, I was talking to a group of my best friends, and I was like, "Do you guys have any questions? Like, give me something good, you know." And um, one of them was like, "I sent this to you," and she was like, well, "She she just turned twenty eight, um, and she was like, why am I so young? And why does my skin look like shit? Like, what am I doing wrong? And her skin does not look like shit. I will attest. Like, she doesn't have breakouts, anything. But I think she overall just means maybe like." texture Mm -hmm. and just not like radiance i know exactly what you mean and this is funny because it's around this age group so i'm all i'm I'm, i got to think how old i am i'm 29 but it's (laughs) it's around this age group like between 25 and 35 that patients come in and they're like i don't know what happened i just feel like all of a sudden i look old and like i can't put my (laughs) finger on what it is yeah um but really it's it's exactly i like that you use the word radiance because that's what it is it's a lack of radiance and the way that we increase that is by using exfoliating acids and retinoids so truly just by adding those couple of ingredients into your regimen I mean, you'll, you're going to notice a big difference. And it could be things just like her not using the right skincare for her skin type. But if, if you get on the right exfoliating acid, let's say a glycolic acid cleanser in the morning or the peel pads or um, something like that and a retinoid and, of course, sunscreen every day, if those are things she's not already doing and she starts those, she's going to notice a big difference. Notice a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like that's the answer to everything is literally like SPF and acids. Like literally – no, it is. I feel, it truly is. I feel so boring on these podcasts because no. I feel like – my answer is the same to every question, but that's for a reason. It's a truth. Yeah. Yeah. And would you say that your answer would be something similar to somebody who's dealing with like their under eyes, like darker under eyes or so that's a little that wants bit, to brighten it up a little bit? That's a little bit difficult because under eye circles can be a couple of different things. So it's can be genetic, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. They're yeah. mostly genetic. So mm. there are some times where no matter what you do, you're not going to be able to improve them. However, if it's actual pigmentation on the skin, then then eye creams with brightening ingredients can absolutely help. 
Number one, sunscreen. You need to make sure you're using sunscreen in that area because yeah. people don't realize that if it's a pigmentation issue, it can get worse with sun exposure. And right. um, there sometimes is actually um, an actual trough there or a dent there that's causing it to look darker. If that's the case, sometimes filler is an option. But, you know, I think sometimes people think filler is kind of the end-all be-all for under-eye issues, and most of the time it's not. Um, but for the right candidate, it can be. Um, but other things like, you know, lack of sleep, lack of, uh, adequate hydration, all of those things can increase your dark Come into circles. Play. Yeah. I have yeah. a blog post on it too. If you guys want to check that out, it's a little bit more oh, comprehensive. Yeah. I'll link it. Yeah, I'll perfect. link it in the show notes for sure. How would you treat a sunspot? That's another good question because it depends on exactly what it is. There's different types of quote unquote sunspots. Um, if it's a, you know, if it seems to be kind of an epidermal pigmentation, really like the really top layers of the skin, or if it's melasma or something like that, you can treat it topically. Um, usually I use things like exfoliating acids, vitamin C, lightning serums, and retinoids. Um, of course, sunscreen. You can do whatever lightning creams you want, but it will not get better if you're not using sunscreen every day. Um, so I, I also have a blog post on that. That's a little bit trickier because it really depends on what type of pigmentation issue you're having. Also, if it's um, kind of a superficial isolated sunspot, sometimes laser is appropriate. But if it's like melasma, usually laser is not appropriate because um, it might help the, that initial pigmentation, but usually it comes back with a vengeance. So that's what that's what they told me. I don't know if you saw it when we went to dinner mm -hmm. or if you can see mm -hmm. now, but I have this like sunspot here. I have another one here. Mm -hmm. Sorry for whoever's listening. You have no idea what I'm talking <laughs> about, but I'm sure you've seen it in my stories. And they told me that laser would really help because I don't think it's melasma. Yeah, no, um, I don't think that is. I, I yeah, can't I remember. I think I saw it when we were eating, but I, I can't yeah, see it very it's clearly not, here. But. but I've tried topical creams and it didn't like do anything. Maybe I didn't use it consistently enough or like for a long time, but I didn't feel like it was, mm -hmm. I don't know. Anyway, How long we'll have see. you had that? It's been there for a while, but I didn't have it my whole life. Okay. Like it, okay. Then yeah, yeah, I think for that kind of an isolated spot, the laser would, would probably be, it's, again, I can't, I'm not, I'm looking at you through an iPhone, so I can't yeah. really see, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. yeah, that would be a case where I would use a laser. Right. Well, I'll have to look into it because it really does annoy me. But like sometimes I'm like, whatever, it's, you know, it is what it is. Um, do you think, do you think facials are a must in a good skincare routine or how do you feel about that? A must? No, but I think they can be helpful. Um, again, the only must I think is making sure that you're using the right products for yourself every single day consistently. Um, but they can be super helpful, especially if you're someone who gets congested easily. Um, you know, it's not really facials for the most part, aren't going to have much of an impact on someone who has cystic acne or something like that. But if you're, if you're getting, you know, a more superficial comedonal acne and you're on the right regimen, they can be helpful because most of the ingredients that we'll have you use will kind of help bring everything to the surface. And then a licensed esthetician can help you extract them safely without leaving a scar. I used to love getting facials, but I almost felt, and well, facials are expensive, you mm -hmm. know, and I, I almost just felt as though if I didn't do them consistently, like it wasn't, it was kind of pointless because of my skin and my concerns. Like I just felt like 
I looked the same whether or not I did them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I kind of was just like, I'd rather spend that money and invest it in skincare products, I think. Yeah, that should ser- the the skin the right skincare product should be your first step for sure. I also love facials and I love our esthetician. So I do see her regularly. I think if you can, if you can fit that into your regimen, it is beneficial, especially yeah. actually if you're on the right products because you're going to get more of a benefit from your facial mm-hmm. and those ingredients if you're already using the right stuff. Do you think for products, I used to think, I don't know why, that it, it was better, and I feel like some people still say this, but I think a lot of people also don't, it was better if I used kind of like a whole line from like a similar, do you get what I'm saying? Like the whole line from the same brand or like, you know, I really like this brand's vitamin C, but I don't like their moisturizer. So I use this moisturizer and I want to try this eye cream. So I, you know what I mean? Like I'm all over the place. Now I try to stick to, to certain things and I use them for a long time before jumping around because I used to you know, I would get something in the mail and get so excited. I wanted to try it. I didn't really give my skin a chance. And so I was breaking out like crazy. So now I give things a chance. But my question is, um, is that a myth or is there some validity to that? Yeah. So I follow what we call like a brand agnostic approach, which means I'm not loyal to any one brand at all. Okay. So what often happens with these skincare lines is they'll create, I'll use SkinCeuticals for an example. They created CE Ferulic, which is one of the most studied and most effective vitamin C serums that there is. And then what they do is they create an entire line piggybacking off of that one product. And that's not to say that the other products aren't effective, but I prefer to pick the most effective from each each uh, brand and create a regimen that way. So instead of being blindly loyal to one brand, you really look at the research and see which product from each line is the most effective. And then you fit that into your routine that way. Perfect. Well, that's good to know because I don't, I don't use an entire line of something. And I feel like a lot of people feel the same way. Like they like certain things from certain brands and not every single product from a brand or from a line is going to work for you. And I think that's okay. Exactly. 100% I agree. Um, I want to ask you really quick about social media. Well, actually, I think I think we're going to do a part two and go into more like social media stuff and more maybe just like not so much skin, but more like life stuff. Because I feel like yeah. you have such a good story um, and I would love people to hear more about it. But I love that we gave everybody. I feel like this was packed full of like knowledge, but I want to wrap up with by asking you. Um, on social media, on Instagram, like what is your favorite kind of content to make? Like I know you've been doing so many reels recently and like what's your favorite part about your account and like about the community that you have on there? It's interesting because I feel like my account, I teeter somewhere between educational but also lifestyle and sometimes it's hard for me because I do you know, of course, skincare is what I'm most knowledgeable about, what I've been trained in and what I love, what I'm most passionate about. But there's so many other aspects of my life that I like to share too. So sometimes I have trouble like, you know, finding that Navigating it. Yeah, exactly. Um, But I would say my, the funnest content for me to create is definitely like a good educational post. Like I love when I get tons of comments like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Or, you know, thank you so much for telling me that because I feel like all that hard work is really paying off for if if I'm able to bring some of that knowledge to someone who didn't know about it. Because as you know, creating content is a full-time job. I mean, it, people don't understand how much work and time goes into creating content for social media. So when I'm able to help people and uh, inform them about something 
something they didn't already know, then I'm like, okay, it's all worth it. So probably for that reason, that the educational content is my favorite. What about you? What's your answer to that question? What's my favorite? Like, what's my favorite kind of content to create? Yeah. Um, man, I feel like I've been in a kind of a question mark kind of area lately because I don't really know like what what I'm doing. (laughs) I mean, like, I think honestly, I love my favorite part about Instagram is Instagram stories. Like, I wish I could get rid of the photos. Like, I wish we just did stories because that's my favorite part. I feel like I can, I feel like I'm creative, but I feel like I don't want to sound cocky by saying this, but I think my personality is better than my creativity. Does that make yeah, sense? Like, of I course, feel like I I'm, see what you mean. I'm more like, I'd rather like talk and like share and like, I like to be more creative on stories. And I don't know why when it comes down to like photos and stuff, like I'm just not, it doesn't happen naturally for me. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, I, I don't like taking outfit photos. Like I'm trying to do more of it because I love clothes and I love sharing that kind of stuff, but I don't feel very comfortable doing it. And then, you know, for a very long time, I used to only shoot um, products. Like, I would just do, like, tons of flat lays and yeah, share, I like, my... Yeah, remember that. That's what... I, if you scroll down my feed, like, that was it. Like, I just had tons of flat lays. Like, you didn't even know what I looked like unless mm-hmm. you, like, saw my stories, you know? Um, and then I got to a point where I was like, I am so sick of <laughs> shooting bottles and, like, taking yeah. pictures of, like, flat lays. Like, I just got so bored and I wanted to share more of me because I love skincare, but... A, I'm not, like, very knowledgeable in it. Like, I know a lot, but, like, I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, it's not like I know everything. And, like you said, there's so many other things that I wanted to share. Sorry, this is such a long answer. I guess my, my answer is just my favorite thing is, I guess, like, sharing me and my, my, like, personality and my life on stories. Like, I wish that was the only thing that it encompassed because I'm kind of, like, in a weird content like uh like struggle like I don't know what I want to share as far as photos like I get so bored of like a selfie and and don't get me wrong like I I do it I'll do it and I'll keep doing it but sometimes I'm like I don't know like I just I don't know it doesn't feel natural but like see this feels natural to me like talking and like that's why I love the podcast because I can like actually have conversations and clearly I can't shut up like that's my favorite (laughs) thing you know so I think I agree completely yeah, I don't know. I feel like I see some people that just kill it with the content and I'm like, fuck, like I wish I could do that. But I actually, and so when people ask me like, how do you shoot stuff? And I'm like, I struggle so much with that. Like, I don't really know what direction I want to go in. I think I'm just trying to share more of my life and share little aspects of all, all of my life, but I'm trying to navigate how exactly to do that. Did that even answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. Of course I went all over the place. <laughs> I bet I bet a lot of people on Instagram feel the same way because there's yeah. just so many options now. I mean, we have IGTV, yeah. we have Reels, we have Stories. And I think now that we've all gotten used to video, probably most of us are more comfortable with it. I know in the beginning I was like, oh my God, I hate Stories oh, so much. Yeah. But yeah, now yeah, yeah. I would agree with you. I think for me to post just like a stagnant photo in my feed, I'm like, bleh. Okay, whatever. And I also, I'm the same way. I hate shooting. Like, I hate, I hate, like, putting makeup on and putting an outfit on and, like, taking a picture. Like, I wish, I just like stories where I can just talk however I am. (laughs) Do you, like, what do you do more? Do you, like, watch more stories or do you, like, scroll through your feed and, like, actually look through? 
stories. Like, 75% Same. stories, like, I would say. The only time I'll, like, scroll, scroll through my feed is when I want to, like, be supportive and I want to engage with people, you know what I mean? The people that I love to follow. Like, I want to support their content because I know right. Instagram is, especially right now and lately, mm-hmm. like, it's a hard place and with their fucking algorithms and stuff, yeah. like, it's hard. So, the only time when I'll, like, scroll through is, like, I want to show love to, like, the people that, that support me and that I support. Um, but aside from that, I could give two Fs about the feed like I just want to look at people's stories like show me what you're eating what are you doing today how you feeling what what did you get you know what I mean like that's what I like I think that comes from us being a generation who was kind of raised on reality tv like we love to be like inside someone's house like looking at what they're doing I'm so nosy I'm so nosy and I think that's just our generation that's what we're used to so I like to see the behind the scenes of my favorite people for sure yeah totally and I think it's also like I don't, I I hate the word saturated. I won't say that because I think there's space for everyone always in whatever you want to do. But I think with so many um, content creators, bloggers, whatever you want to call them, and if you are doing it as well, it's also hard to navigate because I don't know. I don't know. I overthink everything. And so Mm -hmm. I'll like start to overthink things and I'm like, oh, like I need to be doing more of this. I need to be making reels. I need to be doing this. I stopped me. Like, it's just sometimes I'm like, like, can I just like, it's impossible to just, I was talking to one of my best friends about this the other day. She also creates content and stuff. And I was like, I just hate that. I never feel fulfilled Mm -hmm. in the sense of maybe not fulfilled. That's the wrong word. Satisfied in the sense of I'm you can always be doing something else and something more. It's like, oh, you posted and you shot today? Well, you should have done a Reels. Oh, you should have shown your whole day on stories. Oh, you should have... It's like, fuck, like, it's it's hard. And I think people, you know, I hate to bitch about this because I love what I do. And like you said, unless you do it, you won't get it. And from the outside, it's like, what are you bitching about? All you do is take pictures. That's what people (laughs) think. And it's like, no, bro, there's so much more to it. And so much work. It's mentally taxing. Like, yeah. wouldn't you agree? Like, it oh, absolutely. really... It's exhausting. It's exhausting. And, like, I'm also just incredibly hard on myself. And it's, like, it's hard. You know, I feel fulfilled because I talk to beautiful people all day who, like, will connect on so many things and that fulfills me. But I don't feel satisfied because I feel like there's always something more that I could be doing. Or it's like, oh, I'm not growing fast enough. Oh, I'm not doing this. Oh, I'm not doing... It's like the list goes on, right? It's not like a normal job where you're like, you do your tasks of the day and that's it. You go home and you chill. It's not like that. It's like you can always be doing something. Absolutely. So it gets a little bit, you know, I mean, like any, like anything, it has its pros and it has its cons. But anyway, my last question before I let you go is, you know, we're in some weird ass times right now. What have you been doing to unwind, to stay happy? to keep your days bright? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm back at work about half time now in the office and then working from home the other half. But during when we were kind of in the thick of it, I went for a walk every single day. I put on my sunscreen. I put on my hat. I turned on whatever podcast I wanted to listen to and I walked like three miles and it was amazing. Like I just felt there wasn't pressure to like get to the workout class every single day after work. I just felt like I was moving my body in a healthier way, in a way that was like more suitable for my personality. So that has been incredible. Um, I will say now I'm definitely guilty of like I am on my phone until I go to bed and I, I pick Same. it up when I get up. So yeah. that's definitely something I need to work on. And I, I like to tell myself, oh, I'm working, I'm working, like I'm doing work, but that still doesn't make it okay. You know, yeah. I still need to have that time 
off of my devices. So that's something I need to work on for sure. You know what's um what's so I think it's so incredibly rude is on like Sunday night when we're all we all have like the Sunday scaries and then your phone decides to send you this message of like your screen time went up twenty two percent and you have a screen time of blank hours a day mm-hmm. and I'm like why who do I have to speak to to change this notification from a Sunday can we do this on a Wednesday yes, like when any I can other day. give two F's but like why are you telling me this on a Sunday night like that I is don't so know. true <laughs> why what kind of cruel person made that <laughs> I feel you though I I do the same thing I'm like no but it's research yeah <laughs> I'm doing research <laughs> And it's like, no, you can you can put your phone down for a second. Anyway, I think we can all use a little more or a little less screen time and, you know, pick up a book, go outside, do whatever, make a coffee, which is exactly what I'm going to do now. But anyway, this was always look so delicious. (laughs) This was so, so, so incredibly insightful. And I feel like it's going to be so helpful for people. So thank you so much. Also, I wanted to ask, where can people find you? And if people I know, are you still doing virtual consultations? Yes. So virtual if you're in the state of Florida. So anyone who's in Florida, we can do virtual consults. You don't have to be in Miami. You know, you can be in Jacksonville and we'll do it. Um, right. But if you have other more basic questions and you're not in Florida, just shoot me a DM. I'm at the underscore skin enthusiast. I, of course, can't and won't give medical advice on Instagram. But if there's something simple that I can recommend for you, I will do my best. Totally. And you have a blog, which is yes. like super full of knowledge. Yeah. And yeah. I always check reels. there first because I do. I yeah. try to do like really um, – like longer, more yeah. educational posts for questions. Like for, for there's one for pigmentation. There's one for mask knee, like questions I get most often. So you don't do virtual converse, consultations for anybody who's not in Florida? Not right now. I'm trying to okay. work that out, but not right now. Okay, perfect. So everybody go stalk. If you don't follow her already, you won't regret it and you'll have glowing <laughs> skin. Um, and if you're in Florida, hit her up. So, yes. okay. Yay. Thank you so much. You're this so, so welcome. Fun. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode with Amy. Thank you again, Amy, for coming on. I absolutely loved this conversation. Please go give her some love. Go follow. Follow her everywhere. Check out her blog. If you're in Miami, hit her up. Follow the podcast. Leave a review if you're feeling nice. Sorry, I'm like asking you to do so many things. I know you're not going to do all of them, but like if you're going to do one, go give Amy love, okay? And then if you're feeling really nice, then you can come back and leave a little review because they really help, I swear. So anyway, you know, all I'm going to do this weekend is probably, I mean, I don't really know. We're kind of living one hour at a time right now, you know what I mean? So let's see what happens. I'm praying for the world. And yeah, I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do this weekend. It's all going to depend. I'm either going to, you know, pray and drink a lot or I'm probably going to pray and drink a lot. Anyway, I love you guys and I will see you guys next week or I won't see you, but like we'll talk next week, you know? Okay, bye. Have a good weekend. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch-ch-ch-chum. 
Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.